Well, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. We're almost to the end. We continue our study of the book of Revelation. We're seeing the end time events, and we're getting to the end part. And this morning, we're going to actually see, uh, let's see if I can get it to work, the, the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. We call it the second coming of Christ. We're in the section. In fact, in a little bit, we're going to look at the seven last things, chronological order of the book of Revelation. We'll see how that fits together. At the coming of Jesus Christ, in this passage, we're going to see judgment. We think about God, and we think about God's love and grace and mercy, but when people reject the love and grace and mercy of God, there comes the judgment of God, and we'll see that as we study this morning. Well, you know, there's, uh, the Bible talks about with the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. That's actually the rapture. We see in the context of those passages that we as believers, the church, we're looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ in the clouds. That is called the rapture as Jesus comes in the clouds. Let me show you some things and put some things together for you. We know that Jesus came the first time to die on the cross, pray for sin, rise again. He ascended into heaven. He'll come a second time as the King of kings, Lord of lords. That's Revelation chapter 19. In between those, we're the church now. We're waiting for Jesus to come in the clouds, not to the earth. This is to the earth. This is to the earth. He will come in the clouds, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We too, who are alive and remain to be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. That's called the rapture. That's called the blessed hope. In our passage this morning, we're looking at the second coming of Jesus Christ. He already came, died on the cross, paid for sin. We're going to see him coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's called the second coming of Christ. Now let me put this together for you and help you to see it. First of all, there's two comings of Christ to the earth. Jesus came, remember the, the rapture's in the clouds, it's not to the earth. Two comings of Christ to the earth. Jesus came as the seed of woman who to pay for the sins of mankind. He came to die on the cross to pay for sin. So his first coming to the earth was to die and to rise again. There'll be a second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He comes to rule in righteousness and justice. This is found in Revelation chapter 19. That's what we're going to be looking at, and we're going to see that. When we talk about these two comings, it raises some questions. People say something like this. How can Jesus be suffering servant found in Isaiah 53 and the King of kings all at the same time. Or we could raise it this way. How could Jesus die for sin and then take the throne of David? How could he give his life as a ransom and then rule with the rod of iron? Well, it all ties together this way. The first coming of Jesus Christ was to die, to pay for sin, to pay the ransom. That's the Isaiah 53. This is where he is the suffering servant who comes to die for us. His second coming is to take the throne. The throne is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will rule with a rod of iron. That's how he can do that. We'd say that his first coming of Jesus Christ, he came in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem, and he died outside Jerusalem on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. His second coming of Jesus Christ, he'll come to Jerusalem and rule as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so that's the two comings of Jesus Christ. And, and we're going to see in Revelation 19, we're seeing the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, so Revelation, here's John. John himself actually saw the first coming of Jesus. He saw Jesus die on the cross, pay for sin rise and, uh, and go back to heaven. And here's John. He's now an older man. He's already written the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then while on the island of Patmos, God gave him this revelation. And he's been giving this revelation and writing it down, of course. And now we're toward the end. And he's going to see Jesus coming the second time as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me break this down for you. If you go back to Revelation chapter 1, you don't turn there. But in verse 19, this is what John was told. He says, write the things 
things you have seen, the things that are, and the things that will take place. And so here's the outline. When we saw that back on Revelation 1.19, the things that he had seen was Christ, the things that are with the church age, and the things that will be is when he saw the future. Well, he was taken up into heaven. He's seen the tribulation time period. That's what we've been seeing in chapter 6 through 19. And we're going to see 19, Jesus comes back. That's the return. And in chapter 20, there's the millennial kingdom. And then there's the great white throne judgment. And chapters 21 and 22 is the eternal state. So there is a lot of good things we're going to see in the future. So starting today, as we saw last time, uh, that was uh, the four hallelujahs because the judgment of the city of Babylon. We saw the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're now going to see the coming of Jesus Christ to judge. We're going to see what happens to the beast and the false prophet. We're going to see what happens to Satan. We're going to see the millennial kingdom. We're going to see that, that at the end of the kingdom what happens. We're going to see the new heavens and the new earth. All of that is coming in the book of Revelation. So there's a lot of great things. Let me give you the outline for our passage this morning. The heaven is opened. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. It's the return of Christ. He is called the word of God. Believers are coming with him. The nations are crushed. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to see the great supper. That's verses 17 and 18. It's supposed to be chapter 19, verses 17 and 18. But I want you to understand that the great supper is not the marriage supper of the Lamb, which we saw last week. We'll see what it is as we look at it today. I mentioned several weeks ago that I was going to tell you how the flow of the seven last things in the book of Revelation fits together. So here they are. I just want you to see them. Here's the seven last things in the book of Revelation. There's the second coming of Jesus Christ. We will see that this morning. Chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. We will see the defeat of the Antichrist. That's chapter 17, uh, 19, 17 through 21. What happens to the Antichrist? We'll see the binding of Satan in chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. We'll see the kingdom. If you notice, there's just three verses about the kingdom. We'll see what all he talks about and how it fits together. We'll see that Satan is going to be released at the end of the millennial kingdom. There'll be the final battle. It's called the second battle of Gog and Magog. That's chapter 20, verses 7 through 10. Then we'll see the great white throne judgment chapter 20 verse 11 through 15 and then the last thing is the new heavens and new earth that's chapters 21 and 22 we just put those together there's a lot more details and things there but that's how it fits together so we're seeing this morning revelation 19 beginning in verse 11 jesus christ comes out of heaven as the king of kings and the lord of lords to rule and, and this is one thing we look forward to now we know the next event for us is the rapture that's not coming to the earth. That's Jesus coming in the clouds. He's going to come get us, take us out. We'll be with Jesus. And then when he comes back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to set up the kingdom, we'll be coming back with him. So we'll see it as we go through it. So let's look at Revelation chapter 11, excuse me, chapter 19, beginning at verse 11. Here's what John sees. Now he's already seen the four hallelujahs. He's already seen what the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to look like. And that, that doesn't take place till after the kingdom starts, but we'll talk more about it later. And now he sees heavens open. Look at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war. So John sees heavens open and Jesus is coming on a white horse. Now let's stop and talk for a minute. Is he really riding on a white horse? You know some people say it's just symbolic. I actually take Take it literally. I think Jesus is going to come riding on a white horse. I think we're going to come riding on a white horse. Is that what it says? We'll talk more about it in a minute. But just think about it. The first time Jesus came and offered himself as the king, he was riding a donkey. That's Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. The king came in. Jesus came into Jerusalem riding a donkey, offered himself as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was rejected 
and died, and then put on the cross, died, paid for sin, rose again. Now he's coming a second time. When he comes a second time, he's not riding a donkey. He's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've said this many times. The first time Jesus came, he offered himself as the king to the nation of Israel and to the world, and they rejected him. When he comes the second time, he's not asking anybody. He's coming as the king, and he's coming to rule in righteousness and justice. So notice it says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he said, on is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. He's called faithful and true. He's coming to the earth. Now, here's the question. Does Jesus really have to come back to the earth and rule and sit on the throne in Jerusalem? Well, the answer is yes. Why does it have to be a literal kingdom? Why does that? Because some people say there's not a literal kingdom, that we're in the kingdom now. This doesn't seem like a real great kingdom. Does it to you, if we're in the kingdom now? No, it's not. Where's the king? If this is the kingdom, where is the king? Well, Jesus is coming. Why does it have to be literal? Well, first of all, there's prophecy in Zechariah. We're going to see it in a minute. But in Zechariah, it says Jesus Christ comes back to the Mount of Olives. If you remember, he left from the Mount of Olives. He was with his disciples. They all asked him what he's going to do. He said, it's not for you to know. You shall be my witnesses. And then all of a sudden, he left the Mount of Olives and ascended into heaven. Angels appeared. They told the disciples, go back to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to come back right here. We're going to find from Zechariah that Jesus comes back to the Mount of Olives when he comes back. Second, he's going to come to judge the world. That's what he's told. That's why in Revelation 19, he comes to judge the world. He's come to stop Satan. That's Revelation 19. And then here's the key one. God promised to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17, that David would have a son, a greater son, who would sit on the throne of Israel forever. That's the Messiah. Jesus Christ must come to the earth and sit on the throne of Jerusalem as the King of kings and Lord of lords to fulfill that prophecy. If Jesus doesn't come back to this earth and rule, then that promise never came true. That promise will come true. We're going to see in Revelation 19 and 20, Jesus is coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Notice he is called faithful and true. He is the true one. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's always the true one. He deals in righteousness. And and notice it says, he wages war. And he wages war of those who are in opposition. We've already seen in the book of Revelation that when the church, that we're gone and the tribulation starts, there'll be a lot of people believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. A lot of Jewish people, in fact, the nation of Israel is going to turn back and believe in Jesus Christ. There'll be a lot of other people who are run for their lives, but there are going to be people who will believe in the Antichrist. They will take the mark of the beast. They're the unbelievers. They have rejected Jesus Christ and rejected the truth. And God, they're in opposition. And Jesus Christ is coming to wage war. He's coming because they're wanting to battle him as well. And so he's coming. And I want you to notice something here in Zechariah. Look at this. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. That's the unbelievers at the end of the tribulation. As when he fights on the day of battle. In that day, now notice carefully, in that day his feet will stand where? On the Mount of Olives, which is in the front of Jerusalem to the east. And the Mount of Olives, what's going to happen to the mountain? Will be split in its middle from east to west by a large, very large valley so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half will move to the south. Do you understand that when Jesus Christ comes back 
in this passage, he's coming back. When he comes back and comes to the earth, he comes to the Mount of Olives, which is right outside Jerusalem, and the mountain splits in two and forms a big valley. That's what's going to happen. That's what the Bible says. That's why it's got to be literal. Here he comes. Well, notice this. Notice verse 12. His eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. That's the word for crowns. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Now, I want you to think about this. First of all, he has, his eyes are a flame of fire. That's judgment. If you remember going all the way back to the book of Revelation, when John was there and he heard this noise behind him, and when he turned around, he saw Jesus standing in the middle of these tor torches, and his eyes were a flame of fire because he's about to judge. That's what he's doing. And it says that on his head are many diadems. That's the word for crown. There are two Greek words for crown. There's a word called stephanos, which means a reward. You do something, they give you a crown for reward. This word is diadem. It's the word for a crown. Crown, it's like a ruler crown. It says on his head are many crowns. It's showing that Jesus Christ is coming to rule the world in righteousness and justice. Notice it says his eyes are a flame of fire, judgment. And on his head are many crowns. He's ruling everything. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. What? He has a name written that nobody knows. Nobody knows what the name is. One time I was listening to a guy on TV, and he was reading this verse, and he said, I know the name. I'm saying, he does not know the name. Nobody knows except Jesus Christ. So don't think you know the name, because you don't. And, and so, and look at this passage, a guy by the name of Ironside, he was a great Bible teacher in the 1920s, 1930s. Uh, he said this, he said, there are three names in this section. There's a name that nobody knows. And that's probably about his eternal past and, in fact, who he is. Then he's called the Word of God because he becomes flesh. And then he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So Jesus is called three things in this passage. One of them, we don't know what it is. Because he says, on his name, he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Nobody knows. Notice he goes on and said, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. So here he comes, and he's got this robe on, and it's dipped in blood. What, blood what, what is blood? What's that for? Well, some people say that it's symbolic, that it's his, his blood that was shed for our sins. And that's possible, that the robe he's got that's dipped in blood is saying, this is the blood I shed for you. But it's also the blood of those he judges, because Isaiah chapter 63, in verses 1 through 3, talks about he's going to come and judge and blood. And if you remember back in the book of Revelation, it talked about that there would be this war, and in a valley 200, 200 miles long, the blood would be as high as a horse's bit. That could be the blood that is taken here, showing he's coming in judgment. Notice, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and then he's got a name, and his name is called the Word of God. That's who he is, the Word of God. Listen, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is called the Word of God. So we have God's written Word, which is the Bible, but we have God's living Word, which is Jesus Christ, and that's who he is. And it says he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God of God. That's why it's so important that we know Scripture, because Scripture is the written Word of God. We have Jesus Christ, who is the living Word of God. And so, we'll look what it goes on to say. So, he's clothed the robe dipped in blood. It could be his own blood. could be the blood of those he is, is judging. And his name is called the Word of God. And then it says, and the armies which are in heaven... 
clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Well, who in the world is this? Well, let me tell you something that we don't see always necessarily in this passage. But when Jesus Christ comes back, two groups are coming with him. One group are angels. The good angels are coming with him to help him judge. In fact, some angels are going to come and divide the believers from the unbelievers. We'll see that. We, we just got through with a study on Wednesday nights at our Bible Institute. I did a study called Angels and Demons. And angels are going to come with Jesus Christ. And they're going to separate the sheep from the goats. We're going to talk about that sometime. And the angels come to do that. But guess who else comes? We come with him. In fact, I think this verse is talking about us. It says, And the armies which were in heaven, clothed in fine linen, clean and white, were following him on white horses. We find that that's us because it talked back in verse 8 that the fine linen are the righteous acts of the saints. So let me show you something. Let me show you the angels coming with him, okay? Uh, the the angel, armies in heaven, I think angels are going to come. Look at this. Matthew 16, verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father. That's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And his angels will with him and will repay every man according to their deeds. Angels are coming with him. Notice this right here. Matthew 24. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. What's it going to be? What's going to be the sign of the Son of Man? We don't know. All the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And then look what this says. And he, Jesus, will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. The angels are coming with him. Notice this one right here. He will give relief to you, talking about Jesus, who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his, what? Mighty angels in flaming fire. That's Jesus. He's coming and the angels are coming with him. But guess what? We're coming too. These are the believers. Look at Revelation 17, 14. These will wage war against the Lamb. And the Lamb, Jesus, will overcome them. Because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with Him are called, are the called and chosen and faithful. That's us. We're coming with Him. So I think Revelation chapter 19, verse 14 is talking about us coming. And will we, will we be riding white horses? Some people say, oh, it's just symbolic, we're coming with him. Well, I, I think this, if it's literal that he's riding a white horse, I think we're riding white horses. If it's symbolic, then we're coming with him. But, you know, I tend to take this pretty much, not symbolic, but literal. I think Jesus is going to come riding on a white horse, I think we're coming with him. Now listen, he's going to do the fighting. It says we're the army with him. I think as the angels are going to do the fighting, we're going to be back going... Have a great time. We're going to be just watching while you take care of all of this. And he will. And so he's coming. He's faithful and true. And look at verse 15. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword. So with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. Look what comes out of his mouth. 
It's a sharp sword. Now, once again, that's probably symbolic there because it's the idea of the sword is the word of God. It is the truth. But let me tell you, it's a little bit different word. There is a Greek word, makaira, which means a two-edged sword. This is a word of like a, like a spear sword. It's a real long, like spear-looking sword. That's what's coming out. It says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword, sharp sword that he may strike down the nations. The word of God is the key. If you remember, in Hebrews, the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing for the division of the soul and spirit, both of the joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The Bible is the key. When Jesus Christ comes, he's coming speaking the word of God. He's coming to judge in righteousness and wisdom. He is faithful and true. He is coming with a robe dipped in blood. He is coming as the Lord, the word of God, and he's coming. And let me just tell you something. When he judges, when Jesus comes to judge, his judgment will be based on the word of God, powerful and true. And notice it says that he will, he will rule them with a rod of iron. He's talking about the nations. The, all the nations of the world, we're going to see it at the end of this passage, are going to come together outside Jerusalem. There's a long plain. And it's called the Plain of Jezreel. There is a mountain there called Megiddo. Har-Megeddon. Armageddon. That's why it's called Armageddon. There's this long valley. It goes into Jerusalem. The armies of the world are coming together to attack Jerusalem and to attack Jesus Christ when he comes. That's what's going to happen. And the Antichrist will lead the battle. We'll see it in just a few minutes. So when he comes, he's coming. And from his mouth will the sharp sword come. He will strike down the nations with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the wrath, the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And by the way, the word Almighty means the most powerful one of all. He is the Almighty. I notice it says he rules with a rod of iron. The the rod was something that a shepherd had. Jesus is is pictured as the great shepherd. Let me show you something. Psalm chapter 2. We saw this several, oh, about a month ago, I think. We looked at Psalm 2 because he rules with a rod of iron in Psalm 2. In Psalm 2, the nations are laughing. The nations are saying, we're not going to let God control us. We're going to do whatever we want. And verse 4 says, God laughs at that. Because he's coming, and he's coming to judge. And verses 8 and 9 of Psalm 2 says he takes the rule as a rod of iron. He rules in righteousness and justice. Let me show you something else. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 11 says, In that day, this is the day when he comes, there will be great mourning in Jerusalem. You know why? Because he's coming to judge. Like the morning of Hadad Arim in the plains of Megiddo. That's where we get har Megiddon, Armageddon, Armageddon. And that's he's coming in righteousness and justice. Listen, people will not be happy when he comes. Unbelievers will not be happy. They will shudder. They will be afraid. They will try to hide. They will know that the final judgment is coming. And he's coming. We're going to see in the next week or two what exactly happens when he comes. Look at verse 16. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of of lords. That's who he is. Now, written on his robe and on his thigh, he has the title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you notice, in verse 16, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, my Bible has it capitalized because it's uh, quoting an Old Testament passage. And if you notice, Lord of Lords, the Lord of Lords, they're all four capital letters, which means the personal name of God. He's coming as the King of Kings and the personal God who will rule in righteousness and justice. He is the King of Kings the Lord of Lords. We've been talking about it. Do you remember when 
And we're going to see it in a couple of weeks when we have Christmas time. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a baby. And this son is going to take the throne of his father, David. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. That's the promise to Mary. She's going to have a baby. That baby's going to be Jesus. And that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will take the throne of his father, David. How does Paul describe this? I want you to notice something. This is Paul describes Jesus in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see to him be honor and eternal dominion amen that's that's how that's how paul describes jesus as the king of kings and the lord of lords he's coming in righteousness and justice well we're going to see a supper it's the great supper the great supper of god this is not the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is something else. I want to read the verse to you. Look at verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, Come, assemble, assemble for the great supper of God. Birds. I mean, this is not Alfred Hitchcock. The birds, right? All of a sudden, God is going to bring a bunch of birds what are these birds coming to do? You know what they're going to do? They're going to eat the dead people. That's what the birds are coming to do. He says, I saw the angel standing in the sun, cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, come, assemble for the great supper of God. Look at this. This is Matthew 24, verses 27 through 28. For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Look, when Jesus comes, it's just like if you outside and the lightning flashes across the sky, you can see it. When Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and Lord of lords, everyone will see it. Let me remind you, when the rapture happens and Jesus comes to get us, it'll happen in a twinkle of an eye. Nobody will see it. We'll be gone. When Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, every eye will see him. Every knee will bow. As the lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man. And then watch this. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. The birds are coming to eat the dead people. Look at verse 17 again. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried out with a loud voice saying to all the birds which fly in mid heaven come assemble for the great supper of God. Why? So that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men both free men and slaves and small and great. These birds are coming to eat the dead people, because Jesus Christ is going to, I hate to say it, y'all, but he's going to destroy them all. He's going to kill them all. Revelation 16, 16, they're gathering together to come against Jesus. They gathered themselves together in the place in Hebrew called Har-Mageddon. Ar-Mageddon. The mountain, this Har, the word Har means mountain. Megiddo, that's Megiddo, that's the place. Har-Mageddo is the mountain of Megiddo. That's the place where we call Ar-Mageddon. And they're coming to gather against him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Look at verse 19. This is a preview for next week. And I saw the beast... 
That's the Antichrist. And the kings of the earth, that's all the nations coming together. And their armies were assembled to make war against who? Against him who sat on the horse and against his army. The nations of the world led by the Antichrist are coming together in the big valley and they're coming to Jerusalem to fight against Jesus Christ and, uh, and, and his army. And we're, we know what's going to happen. All Jesus is going to do is speak. Let me just say something. Well, we, we see that there's a powerful angel called Satan. He's not the most powerful angel. Michael's the most powerful angel. Michael kicked Satan out of heaven. Satan is not the most powerful angel. He's very powerful. But a lot of people misunderstand when they see Satan and they see Jesus or God. They think, wow, it's kind of like a toss-up. It is not a toss-up. When Jesus Christ speaks, it is all over. Satan is an angel created by God. God is the eternal, all-powerful, powerful being. And when God speaks, it is over. So it is not a toss-up. And this battle of Armageddon, Armageddon, when they all come together, it is not going to be a, a toss-up. Jesus is going to speak, and it's over. That's what it's going to be. We'll see that in the next couple of weeks. So, Revelation 19, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies were assembled to make war who sat on the horse, uh, of him who sat on the horse and against his army. Jesus Christ comes to judge. The believers are coming with him. The angels are coming with him. And that's going to be the great judgment. We're going to see what happens to the Antichrist and the false prophet. What happens to Satan when Jesus comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Let me give you some applications really quickly. Uh, oh, that's the battle that's going to take place. Here's, uh, let me remind you this. Okay, that's the first coming. That's the second coming. That's the rapture. We're talking about this part right here. As Jesus comes back as the King of Kings, this is right at the end of the seven-year tribulation. The Antichrist and his armies are coming to battle against Jesus and Jerusalem. And it will be over just like that. And then we'll go into the kingdom. And we'll talk more about that when we get into chapter 20. So let me give you some applications. First of all, let's worship. Think about it. Jesus Christ as both Savior and King. How can we do that? Well, first of all, remember, he came the first time as the Savior. He came to die and rise again. He came to die to provide salvation. So we worship him as our Savior. But we also worship him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow. On his second coming, he's coming to reign with all authority and all power. So we should worship him in that way. So his first coming, he came to be the Savior. He died and rose again. We worship him as Savior. Second time, he's coming as the King. He rules in righteousness, we worship him as the king. The second application is just realize the power of the word of God. I mean, Jesus is called the Word of God, but think about the Bible. First of all, God speaks and He creates, let there be. God speaks and He judges, Hebrews 4.12. That is the power. And so think about this. The written word of God is the basis for our lives to know and apply the Bible. The living Word of God is the basis for our worship. So we know and apply the Bible, that's the written Word. We worship the living Word, Jesus Christ. And finally, one last thing is let's understand there will be victory when Jesus Christ comes. When He comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there will be judgment and victory. And we're going to see it in the next couple of weeks. We'll see it. It's, it's powerful. And by the way, even though we're at the end of the book, there is a lot in chapter 20 and chapters 21 and 22. What will eternity be like? God has actually revealed to us 
what's going to happen and what it's going to be like. So we've got a lot to go. But uh, I'm pretty anxious to see Jesus come and take over and take care of the beast, the false prophet, and Satan and what happens to them.